Dennis Prager here. If you have a business or real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, you saved a client from a lawsuit with an unusual tactic. Tell us. Well, Dennis, my clients were investment advisor partners. Their former partner sued the others, claiming fraud for not getting a greater share. But we noticed something. You see, the plaintiff had filed for bankruptcy. So what did that mean? Well, the bankruptcy meant that the plaintiff no longer owned any of his claims. Only his bankruptcy estate did. So guess what? We went to the former bankruptcy trustee, told them about it, and offered to buy the plaintiff's claims against my clients for almost nothing. What would have been more than 100000 in legal fees ended up costing my clients almost nothing. We were done. You know that I trust Barack Lurie with my own business legalities. Call him for your own legal issues at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right. Barack Lurie at Lurie and Seltzer. 866-575-8111. And now listen to the Barack Lurie Show Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. here on AM870, The Answer. podcast with me as always my good friend and producer Ari David a pleasure always we um, we are now dealing with a horrific situation that happened recently in Paris um, what we now know is that some really bad guys went in to the satirical newspaper known as uh, Charlie Hebdo at least the one that he ran um, and they decided to kill everyone in that newspaper office because uh, they had printed some cartoons that they found to be offensive, don't you know? And likewise, uh, the next day, they went about uh, taking over a kosher bakery, uh, killing some four people while otherwise uh, uh, holding hostage uh, another four. And a very terrifying experience, and it was three days of mayhem in Paris. All right. And we learned a lot about this. And one of the things we learned was how inept to the Paris police were, how they were unable to accept the, the reality of the evil that surrounds them. Look, you've got <clears throat> people that you know have big guns and they're trained. And the way the police should be prepared for dealing with such situations is to have policemen with good training and big guns. That's, that's the way it works. And... This transportation device called an automobile, yes. not a bicycle. That's right. Good point. I, and and they, that. that's right. They came with a bicycle unarmed to this horrific situation going on. Now, to be fair to this policeman, maybe he was just some sort of uh, community service guy, and he came in, and it seemed ridiculous in in hindsight, uh, because after all, they do have some special forces in their police, but they really activated these guys. Fairly quickly, I have to give him credit for that. And likewise, uh, we also have to give credit to the fact that the, at least the French prime minister recognizes that uh, they are at war with radical Islam. Good. Good for him. Okay? That's much more than we can say about our, our own president. Um, and it is terrifying to see that they um, are unable to respond the way that the French have responded. Now, as I said on my Sunday show, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, you'll, you, one thing you can rest assured how quickly, quickly the Obama administration will be Johnny on the spot to decide how they cannot make a determination yet as to what is the real root 
of the cause of this problem that happened recently in this horrendous criminal act, and that these people will be brought to justice. So far, they, from what I hear, it's pure periodical workplace violence. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Standard. I mean, if I had a dime every time I, I saw one of these happen, uh, these poor guys. Um, I also said on my Sunday show that, you know, it's, it's nice that there's a bunch of journalists who all are banding together to support Charlie Hebdo. They're all saying, je suis Charlie, which means I am Charlie, uh, to to the whole world, and I guess they're signing some sort of petition. That's great. You can go to the bathroom with that. But you know, you get, you get the idea. And, and if you really wanted to show solidarity, there's really only one way of doing it. Do you know what I would do? Publish the cartoons? Yeah, publish exactly those cartoons, the offensive cartoons yeah. in issue, on page one of every single newspaper, whether internet version or paper version, and the magazines that, that proclaim solidarity and say, yeah, we're all doing it. That's the way we're going to do this. And now you're going to have to kill all of us. And you know what? You ain't going to do that because we're going to get you first. Every time you kill one of us because of one cartoon that, that offends you, guess what? That's going to be propagated 10 times over, maybe 100 times, maybe 1,000 times over. Yeah, make it, make it a game of whack-a-mole. Yeah. Where every time you hit the mole, it splits into two moles. That's right. Four moles. Yeah. The Pantene commercial, you tell a million friends. It would be nice if they had the um, cojones to do such things. Yeah, but they won't because uh, everyone... It's, it's kind of like what you see in all those movies with the, um, the, the Nazis, right? There's one German soldier, one Nazi, who's in control of a bunch of Holocaust uh, uh, survivors in a camp, rather. And it's in the middle of the war, and you just think to yourself, man, if these 50 people just rush this guy, they could do it. But not, none of them want to be a victim. So they all end up still remaining slaves of this monster because of one friggin' gun. And that's what we need to do here. We need to rush them. We need to say, you know what? We'll print these two. Okay? And, oh, yeah, we'll do it too. We'll do it too. And we're not going to be intimidated. There's no other way of doing this. Yeah, no I also other way. think that that's what was sort of, <clears throat> like, forget the Obama at the rally issue. Yeah. But why were, when all those leaders were marching yesterday, why weren't all of them holding up a copy of a Charlie Hebdo uh, cover and marching yeah. with it, yeah. saying, ha ha. That's right. That would be nice. That would be nice. I want to talk a little bit about, and, and using this as a little bit of a launching pad, because uh, I did speak at length about the uh, Paris attacks, and, and they are worthy of a, a, its own podcast, no doubt about it. But I want to talk about the big picture here, vis a vis the Obama administration. Look, there is so little that we know about this strange duck named Barack Obama. Here's, here's what I mean. Think of all the things, and I'm sure you'll chime in eventually about this too, Ari. Me? Yeah, you, Me? you're a chimer, yeah. yes. You're, you're a joiner, as my wife sometimes <laughs> says, a joiner. Uh, but you'll chime in. I'm the third guy who throws the tomato at the... <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like, like for Brian. Right. Okay. We don't know, for example, anything about his grades in, in undergrad or in law school. Okay, all we know is that he kind of went to these schools, but when you ask for his transcripts, it's a mystery. Okay, you, so it only means one thing, which means that the, he did very poorly in both undergrad and in law school. Lower than B's. Yes. Be generous. You can, be, you can rest assured that he just barely passed, if, if that. Okay, so just rest assured on that one. 
But the fact that they, they don't want to disclose it means something. Okay, now going further. The oddities involved in whether or not he was born in Kenya and, or versus Hawaii, and no, I'm not a birther, don't worry about this, but I do think it's odd that, for example, in his law school um, a portfolio, his pamphlet, they talked about him being born in Kenya and that you know, he had the ability to, to correct that. I mean, you, you, would, you would correct your own biography. And, well, and specifically, he talks about himself being born in Kenya. Right. He lied about that. Yeah. So just for the record, we I believe, like you, that he's born in Hawaii and to get the publishing job, he he embellished his exoticness. Right. Oh saying, yeah, no. oh, I'm Kenyan. Yeah, give me a book deal. Yeah, it suits his purposes. So when it's uh but but when, when its purposes are that he can't be born in Kenya for presidential purposes, well, but then you all you're all crazy if you but but sir, you you said yourself that you were born in Kenya. So, you know, well, I was just a kid. I, you know, so anyway, so there's the not the mystery shrouding that, but just the kind of like the yuckiness factor about that, right? Like what Dude, you look like an opportunist. That's the problem that we have with him, at least on that issue. Then, of course, you've got the whole girlfriend situation. All right, and what do I mean by that? It's just weird. We're not going to go too detailed into this. I'm not saying anything. Don't give me that look. I'm not going to chime. This is you. Okay. (laughs) I, I just, I think it's weird that we don't have any girlfriend from his past before Michelle Obama, of course, uh, talking about her past with uh, with Obama, saying, "Oh, we had a nice romance for two years. He was a charming man. He we dated in college. We yeah. dated in high school. That's right. He oh, loved. No, I'm charming. You know, I, I can never get him away from the football games. You know, something like that. Uh, but no, nothing of that nature. So either one one of two things is happening. Either he didn't have any girlfriends, which I, I you know suppose that's legitimate. He's he's entitled to." Uh, the other alternative is that he was just really not a nice boyfriend, <laughs> and uh, they couldn't find a girlfriend who would speak well of him, so they paid the girlfriends off or whatever. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm going toward the Reverend Wright uh, comparison soon enough. Um, and that there's a third option, which is obvious, and I won't even go there. Okay, but I'm simply saying boyfriends. <laughs> hey, hey, I didn't say it. You said it now. I said it. All right. I'm simply saying it's weird. Okay, you, you, come on. I mean, if you're if you support Obama, okay, fine. You voted for Obama, fine. But please admit, it's a little weird. I mean, surely you've asked some questions yourself about this guy. Like, it's a little strange that, that uh, he doesn't have a girlfriend. It's a little strange that they fight so hard to not release the grades. It's a little strange that they, uh, that they argued that they didn't know anything that Reverend Wright was saying for 20 years. It's a little strange about this relationship with Bill Ayers, and then, of course, that he that they're hiding this video uh, in in the Los Angeles Time with his um, the what's Rashid his name Khalidi Rashid Khalidi spe- um, a party uh, a going away party, which you know, likely most likely means that there was something very um, damning uh, in in that video. If Anywhere from unflattering to a career wrecker, right? Somewhere in that range. Something is odd about all this. So we, we, we just see one oddity after another, right? So we talked about the Kenya thing. We talked about the girlfriend thing. We talked about the grades thing. And by the way, there's also the Michelle Obama thesis thing. Remember that. Okay. And, and then the Reverend Wright thing. And then, of course, um, the Bill Ayers thing. The associations, the Saul Alinsky issues. Um, Tony Resco. Oh, yeah, Tony Resco. Exactly. Yeah. All these. It's not. 
it's just it just creates a picture of yuck. Something's weird here. Something's odd going about this whole thing. And it doesn't take too much to figure out that he's, we're not getting a complete picture. And we're all hypnotizing ourselves. Not Well, not, not us, not we conservatives, of course, but those who voted for him. The country in aggregate. In the aggregate, somehow it just says, you know, ah, let's give him a pass. And just keep on giving a pass, giving a pass, giving a pass. Until the point you say, who is this guy? Do we really know him? What, what's his story? Have we really vetted this guy very deeply? I mean, look, I, I've hired and fired some employees in my firm, right? And the, the, the guys, the people that I've fired in the past, I often have thought to myself, gosh, you know, maybe had I vetted this person a little bit more aggressively, I wouldn't have hired this person in the first place. Well, there was one gentleman that I'd hired, and, you know, I, I, feel, I feel like I could have vetted him a little bit more thoroughly. Um, and, and he was a good worker, oddly enough, but something came out that I just had to let him go. And, but we just need to vet people. And the country, of course, doesn't have more, th- more than just you know, the, the voting process, and perhaps the media will pick up this or that dirt on this or that p- political candidate. But that's not really a vetting process in the same way, right? I mean, if you, when you nominate a judicial Supreme Court nominee, there's going to be some real vetting going on. The FBI is going to be involved in that, right? Uh, but when it comes to uh, you running as a president of the United States, <laughs> the, the, the head honcho, commander-in-chief and all that, who's, no, no one vets you. The, the FBI does not vet you. The CIA does not vet you. Yeah, and if conspiracy theorists are satiated by a reality, if this reality were true, that, A, the government is entirely a sham and we're really run by a shadow government and whoever is president doesn't matter anyway, okay, fine, then it wouldn't matter. Right. Or if B, whose president had no effect on anyone other than being a celebutant in chief, then that would be fine Okay, in this particular case. Right. Okay, whatever, whatever. But the fact is, it isn't and it isn't. This guy is consequential. Who this person is does matter, does affect people. That's right. And, and like I said, I, we gave the example of the Pope the other uh, week. We, we talked about, look, this guy, yes, he may have edicts, but at the, at the, at the end of the day, he can't really enforce those edicts. Um, you may choose to follow them or not follow them. If you, if you find them to be disagreeable, you won't do it. Or maybe you'll do it, but only because you feel that, you know, you believe in the faith and God bless you for it. But this guy, this President Obama, he issues edicts and people follow him. I mean, they have to follow him. There are decrees, there are edicts that, that he will enforce, whether it's Obamacare or otherwise. Now, look, you have... Um, you have these concerns, right? We talked about that before already now. Now there, there are concerns, of course. It's not just the stuff that he did before the presidency. It's stuff that he's done since the presidency. And I'm talking about things like the IRS scandal. Okay, I'm Benghazi. Um, we're, we're talking about Fast and Furious. Um, the whole immigration issue and how he played with that and then he let the doors open. How he kind of gives up the whole picture when it comes to dealing with Russia, how he pulls out our missiles from Poland and then how claims he gives us, away the most dangerous terrorists from Guantanamo with no nothing in return. Right. How how he proceeds with with Cuba, with barely anything in return there. Also, although we we did re, uh, learn recently that he did finally release the sorry the Cubans finally released the fifty three political prisoners, and that's good. But that's is that good enough 
you know, for the whole thing. It's not really very much is what I'm trying to say. It's, it's uh, window addressing um, at best. And then the deal with Iran, for example, doing nothing with Syria. It's just very odd, though. The whole picture is odd. Then the diminishment of the military, generally speaking, for, for no reason whatsoever, just suddenly just you know, completely chop it, not just a half, to something like 25% of what wow. it used to be. Wow. You're spending more money in the history of the world than any other human being on everything else. Yeah. You think they could find a shekel or two to rub together to throw the boys in the in the fatigue? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. A shekel or two, or, or two, as you say. And uh, then the whole Jonathan Gruber situation, which is obviously part and parcel with Obamacare and and how they orchestrated that. I mean, this this goes on and on. And then this most recent thing. You see, this is why I wanted to bring it up in that context. It's just odd that he didn't present somebody in the Paris demonstrations it, to, to show support for uh, Charlie Hebdo and, and to fighting Islamic terrorism and, and how this is unacceptable. It's, we know the reason why. We think we know the reason why. But I'm simply saying from an from a, uh, optics point of view, it's bizarre. Especially for a man... And I'm not assigning any judgment to this term, who, especially for a man who has demonstrated time and again a sense of narcissism, of wanting to be in the spotlight wherever the spotlight is. Right. A man who will jet off at major taxpayer inconvenience to find any spotlights available. Here is the brightest spotlight on planet Earth right. on Sunday morning, and he chooses not to be there. Right. You see... And this is where we're getting to. Like when it comes to, I guess it's the things that make you go, huh, right? When it comes to Islam, it's very weird. It's um, he goes out of his way to say these kind of weird things. And I'll give you only three, and, and you'll, I'm sure you'll have a couple more. But but bear with me on this. First, he talks about one of the most beautiful sounds he remembers. Is the the sounds of the prayers in Indonesia and the, the call of the muzzin at sunrise? Yes, exactly right. So he kind of went out to went out of his way on that one. Okay, fine. Then of course there's the apology tour that the the world owes, you know, America owes Islam, especially Islam, uh, a big apology. And of course during that tour he sidestepped Israel together, didn't even go there whatsoever. And let, made the Cairo let, speech. Right, and made the famous Cairo speech, which was so insulting to all of us. Oh, Americans. For example, then, you know, another thing that, again, this is only in the rubric of his statements regarding Islam. Do you remember when he, he appointed a new director of NASA, NASA, right? And, and the director said, uh, when they asked him, what did uh, Obama tell you that he expected of you to do? Because he's cutting funding for NASA. And they said, well, he said one of the most important imperatives is, is that um, we highlight the great contributions of the Muslim world to science and space exploration. And mathematics. <laughs> and mathematics, right. So, okay, that makes you go, huh, that's a little odd. Then there was, uh, of course, the United Nations statement that he made in 2012 where he said, uh, let me be clear uh, the future does not belong to those who slander Islam. The prophet. The, pro uh, the prophet Muhammad. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Slander the prophet. That's right. Okay. So which begs the question, uh, how, how can we interpret that any other way than to say you're on their side and somehow the, 
<laughs> aren't you for the First Amendment, sir? <laughs> wait, wait. I, I, freedom of expression, which means you know you 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 don't you want to advance expression for those people with whom you don't necessarily agree, right? But he's going out of his way to say the future does not belong to those who slander Muhammad. How else can we interpret that other than to say, guys, I'm with you. Don't you, we're going to make sure that nobody slanders them. And your anger is justified. Justified, I tell you. And maybe that's why, maybe he actually did believe the whole crap about the Benghazi video. Because, after all, it was a slander on the prophet. On, on, the prophet. on his prophet. Yeah. Well, I will see whether it's his prophet or not, but it was certainly a slander on Muhammad. Therefore, uh, their rage is is uh, an expression of it. You know, you know, by golly, that maybe it's too too uh, vengeful. But they arrested the the filmmaker of it, not the people who created the mayhem in, in response. I mean, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just getting so frazzled. I think about you're this. doing great. I, oh, this, I okay. like this Brock Lurie. <laughs> I this is Brock Lurie. I tune in Sunday mornings here. <laughs> Sunday mornings, 10 o'clock, KRLA, 870. Or online. Yeah, you made Right. Listen live, but. Well, well done. <laughs> thank you, thank you. But, but you get the idea. I mean, it's, it's really frustrating, and I'm, I just think. Let me, and I'm going to say a by the way moment. I hate doing this, but it's very relevant at least. What's happened to that guy? I mean, the guy, they arrested him. You'd He's, think there'd be a big news conference. Ah, oh, he's out of jail now. He needs police protection and disappear in hiding. Well, so talk about... They don't get him. The jihadists I, I, don't declare a fatwa. Ari, talk about the Innocence Project. Right. I mean, this guy didn't do this. Yeah, and where's the Amnesty didn't, International? Right, oh, yeah, exactly. So let me get this straight. Okay, this guy did a video, which is... Into, uh, here in America, it's called the First Amendment, Okay. The only exception is something called fighting words, okay? But it doesn't constitute fighting words to say something outrageous about a, a religion. In fact, it's done all day long when it comes to Christianity and Judaism. All day long. But when it comes to Islam, then somehow those are fighting words, like, like shouting fire in a crowded theater, right? That's what, so is this the reason why he was uh, convicted and put in jail? Or is it because he, uh, he, he caused uh, people to... to I, don't, I just don't get it. The technical I, def, explanation. I feel is, like I'm missing something. That is not germane to this podcast, yeah. but just to fill you in the background, because I find out these things. The issue was that he was on parole for bank fraud, and he had committed some of his fraudulent activity using computers, so the terms of his parole, and Obama, to, to Obama's credit, and I don't give Obama any credit for anything, but to his credit, the terms of the parole forbade this guy from using a computer. And he uploaded the video using YouTube and a computer. So even though in 99 out of 100 cases, based on the overcrowded prison situation in California, no judge would, when the parole violation happens, would listen to the parole officer and throw the guy back and stir. It happened this time. Okay, no, it's clearly so obvious. A phone call was made by someone high up to get the judge to do it. But from a purely legal letter of the contract point of view, the guy did violate his parole. Okay, could have. All right. It makes me feel a little bit better, but not much, because it's clearly yeah. selective enforcement. Yeah. Hang on. But he's still in jail from what we know, and he was only supposed to be in jail for a year. That was two years ago. Right. Yeah. So uh, well, maybe it's for his own protection, don't you know, uh, based upon this farce that they created for themselves. So so the way they – going back now, the, the way they handled the whole Benghazi thing, it's it reflects this – 
this embrace of Islamic radicalism in the sense that their anger is justified. Like we have to, it's like a child, a petulant child who doesn't get his way and you say, well, why don't you give him the lollipop? It's your fault for not giving him the lollipop and that's why he's having his tantrum. You're the bad parent for that. No, he's got to stop the, the tantrum. He's got to act like a respectable human being. In fact, he's got to grow up. That's what he's got to do. So Ari, I mean, I, I invite you to give me other examples of this. Um, uh, you know, this, this strange embrace of Muslim and Islamic uh, teachings and this, this going out of his way to show how keen he is to sympathize with Muslim issues. Well, I'll chime in on two very simple ones. Please. One, and this is an aesthetic one, and then I'll substitute one. The aesthetic one is he's touring uh, some prominent mosque in Turkey. This is either in 2009 or 2010, and there's a video of him on YouTube doing this. And I have never seen a more reverential expression on anyone's face ever. Yeah. Uh, I've known of Catholics who go to the Sistine Chapel to tour that, and they don't look as as reverent when they stare up at Michelangelo's work. Right. And, this, and this is a man from the the you know the petulant um, me generation who never shows reverence towards anything. Uh, and I've never seen anything like it. it yeah. There was clearly something going on there. And then number two, and this is a serious one. The FBI and the military, <clears throat> in all of their counterterrorism journals, took out every reference to jihad, Sharia law, taqiyya, deception, and any other activities for the law enforcement and military people who are involved in terrorism enforcement and anti-terrorism uh, intelligence activity. Yeah, that's that's you know that's probably the best example possible. Oh, two, and, oh really quickly. Yeah, and also the two people appointed, uh, James Clapper and uh, John Brennan. Uh, Brennan gave a speech where he screamed at the top of his lungs, it's not Jerusalem, it's Al-Quds. And this is a man who also said that the Muslim Brotherhood uh, was a humanitarian organization. Yes, and the whole, the whole treatment of Muslim Brotherhood, that's a fantastic yes. example. And then, of course, it goes... And, and this is now the man who's in charge of the CIA. Okay, so, and of course, we forget the biggie, which is his whole treatment of Israel, Right. Uh, the way he's treated Netanyahu, the, the contempt, the seething bile that he has in his face whenever he sees Netanyahu coming by. And even when, when they just want to build in, in Jerusalem proper, we're not even talking about East Jerusalem, which they have no right to complain about anyway. It belongs to Israel. <laughs> but they can't even build it in Jerusalem. You can even build a mile away from Jerusalem. It's, and somehow they expect Israel to freeze. And, and then, of course, don't even get me started about the whole Gaza war of both 2012 and 2014, um, that somehow they expected them to, you know, to fight with one hand behind their back. And, or and surrender it's, it's, entirely. Right. It's all, and for them... Oh, and the closing of the airport. Closing the airport, the, uh, you know, then complaining about the, the poor victims of the Gazan peoples, but, of course, never addressing the victims and the fact that uh, in Israel... And the fact that the three boys who were hijacked, uh, kidnapped, and killed—nothing of this sort at all. Nothing. Okay. This is this is the the strange embrace of all things Muslim, and it doesn't. I don't care if he's a Muslim. I, it, that's not the point. Okay. This is not the issue. And of course, everyone listening to this who is liberal is going to say, "Oh, look at these these wackos talking about their theory that he's a Muslim." Did we say that he's a Muslim? No, sir. Not by any stretch. And it doesn't matter. No, we're just, we're the only thing, and I would clearly say what we are saying. We are saying based on the clues and the information we're given 
by, by, his, by Barack Obama's own behavior, our conclusion is that he has a strange affinity yeah. towards Islam based on the fact that the country he is the leader of is at war with aspects of Islam. Right. That's in right. This moment. You said it 100% accurately, and, and you tiptoed around all the right subtleties, and, and it's appropriate that you did so, so that no one can actually say that you're, you're claiming anything that's over the top because everyone listening to this, every liberal listening to this, is looking for the slightest nuance so that they can dismiss you as a kook and that you're exaggerating and you have no proof that he's a Muslim or anything else like that. And we're not saying that. We're not saying it by any stretch. We are saying. It's odd, all these pro-Muslim statements that he has, and that it's not beneficial to the country. Okay? And one thing he doesn't do, by contrast, is he doesn't advocate his Christianity. He doesn't speak lovingly of Jesus as his savior or otherwise. Or show up at church regularly. Not regularly. Are you, you asking? At all. <laughs> he's barely there at all. I, I think he's shown up twice in his entire presidency. And then he has the audacity the audacity to say that he's Jewish in his soul. I mean, we, we joked the other day about how this guy is really covering his butt, right? <laughs> you know, he's Muslim, he's, you know, he's Christian, he's, he's, he's Jewish. It's like that Saturday Night Live uh, commercial. You know, it's, it's both a dessert topping and a floor cleaner, right? I mean, that, that's cute. That would be cute if that actually happened. I mean, that's more of a Bill Clinton thing. I'm, uh, he's everything to everybody, right? Okay, that's politics, you could say. But this guy, no, no, it's, this, is, this is a little different. He's, you know, he'll talk the talk of being a Christian. He'll talk uh, the talk of, of being Jewish in his soul and such like that. But we know that he has contempt for Christianity. Bill Clinton never had contempt for anything. He just, you know, he loved everybody, <laughs> no matter how Too pretty. Much. Or, yeah, how pretty or, you know, whatever they were. Um, they, that's not the point. The, the point is he just, he didn't see the point in having enemies. Right, but but Obama he clearly divides his lines. Uh, Islam good, Christianity very very bad, <laughs> and Judaism well, I need you guys so you know cough up the money and I'll say that uh, I'm Jewish in my soul or something like that. And and it's uh, let's broaden it just a little bit more because wherever the real horrors are in this world, generally it's in third world nations, yeah. North Korea, some godforsaken. Street in some village in Africa, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, his affinity to be even a little bit more specific is constantly biased towards third world yeah. mentalities. Yeah. Well, the even whole of those mentalities aren't necessarily good for the people who inhabit those places. Right. Well, that that's more to the point of what we're talking about. Being so pro-Islamic, and I'll, I'll make my point here. Uh, remember how he wanted to gut the drilling offshore in America, especially in the first two years of his presidency, and of course, which led to the this huge boom in fracking. You know, <laughs> you can't you can't put a good man down, as they say, right? And now uh, here we are, like much to chagrin. Gosh darn it, we we have more oil than ever, <laughs> and uh, now he's taking credit for it, which yeah. is amazing. So, but but what was the point? I mean, you know, is it better to buy oil from the Arabs, and, and not only that, but it would be more dangerous because they don't, they don't have the same safeguards like we have in America, right? And so it, it just made no sense at all to do this. And then, of course, Keystone Pipeline. Um, so these are very, like, anti, uh, anti, uh, uh, anti-American, uh, I'm not saying, an, like, an, you know, trying to destroy American, but it's against the interests of America, almost everything that he's pushing forward, and he's Pro- propping up, propping up the interests of 
uh, all the third world countries, the global warming, cap and trade issues, all those things. That's, that's only going to help our enemies. It's not going to help us, right? I mean, how on God's green earth, as it were, this is going to help us is a mystery to me. Yeah, and now, anyone listening, a liberal listening to this, are you kidding, Barack and Ari? If we successfully, you know, change the way we behave and we cap our carbon footprint to a very reasonable amount, then that's going to benefit everyone. We'll all be breathing better. We'll all be surviving on the planet, and, and the oceans will not drown us, and so on, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you just want dirty air and mm-hmm. dirty water. Oh, yeah, yeah. And is GMO-laden it? food. <laughs> that's, that's the way it goes, I guess. But this is... This is um, anyway, I, I, I want to wrap up by just kind of noting these bizarre behaviors. Very bizarre. And they, they start off with, you know, we start off with examples of the girlfriend and, uh, and the, the, you know, not showing the, the grades and even Michelle Obama's thesis and uh, the whole Kenya thing and how he used it to his advantage when, he, when it was advantageous and how he ran away from it when he no longer could use it. And then we talked about what happened during his presidency and the odd things that he said and did, uh, very much uh, in line with this pro-Muslim kind of attitude and the statements that he made. I th- I, I, to my own mind, I think the thing that disturbed me most, and by the way, I also remember now when he bowed to the Saudi king so reverentially. Oh, yeah. Right? But, but to my own mind, the one statement that he made, and we already talked about it, is the 2012 speech in the United Nations where he said the future does not belong, belong to those who slander the prophet Muhammad. Two weeks, by the way, after the Benghazi. Yes, two weeks. And I just thought, mm, something's odd with that. Yeah, and while he's running for re-election. Yeah, very odd. It's an odd man. And this latest thing about not showing up in the Paris thing, and, and you hit it right on the head, Ari, with this is a man who's such a narcissist. And I say it as a fact, not as a, not as a slander, as it were, upon him. He, he simply is a narcissist in, in the true definition of the world. He, he really believes the world uh, looks to him for all the answers, that he is the center of the world. And you would think that he would just love the limelight here. Yeah, the no. limelight truly gives him pleasure. Right. It's just strange this time he choose not to be in it. But in this case, he runs away from it. And he wants to make no comment about it. That's the best he can do. And it's clear as if he's saying, look, I'm not at all going to support uh, any uh, demonstration that challenges the, um, uh, the, his friends on in, in the Muslim world. I'm just not going to do that. And uh, I, I don't want them thinking for a moment that I don't support them. That's the only message he's sending to me. Right or wrong, that's the only message. And he should know better. He's that, he is reasonably bright enough to know that. And with that, I will say, and so will you, je suis Charlie, and President Obama, you are not. This is Barack Lurie. This has been the Barack Lurie Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you with you real soon. 